Words appear. The Meet Me series. More words appear. Brought to you by Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Welcome everybody to Meet Me here on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? The show where you get to meet the people I get to meet. I am your host, Victor Gouveia. Meet Me is sponsored by VIP Tech and sponsored by Osnap with vitamin packets that can boost your energy, help you sleep and rejuvenate your DNA. Osnap has something for everyone. Try Osnap today. Remember, if you like what you're about to hear, activate the like button and share it with your friends and family, especially if you think they can benefit from anything that's said here. And make sure to subscribe, activating the notification bell so you're notified when we go live or upload a new video. We're also streaming on our Facebook page, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? And on Twitter, at Blind Whose. Alternatively, if you don't like to watch us live, you can catch us on podcasts everywhere. Whether you have an Apple device, a Google device, a Windows device, or even a humanware line of Victor players, you can catch us on podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and if you ask Alexa to play Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway, she'll go out and do so. If you want a copy of the video or audio of this recording or any episode we broadcast on the network, send me an email, whoseblindlifeisitanyway at gmail.com, and I'll send you out a folder link on Dropbox that houses all the episodes we broadcast on the network. On this episode of Meet Me, we meet Tim Cunio. Tim Cunio and I have tangled a few times on... The Blind View. The Blind View is the show that I do with Becca Meadows on her channel over at Becca's World. And him and I have had interesting debates on various topics on The Blind View. Uh, And I've always found him to be an especially strong-willed man who believes in his conviction. And I interviewed him this week for Meet Me, and I thought he was a great guy. Him and I are good friends. We talk quite a bit, and uh, I thought you guys would like to meet him. So enjoy the interview, and I'll be back to you in, uh, when the interview is done. Welcome, Tim. Pronounce your last name for me. It's Cunio. Cunio? What language is that? It's Italian. You're actually Italian. Yeah. There isn't a single hint of wop sound to your voice. <laughs> well, I've been in the South too much, so... Uh... I'm like third generation. Oh, is and, that right? Yeah, and actually, there's a name. There's a city named after us over there. It's uh, Cuneo, Italy, and my oh. name is also mentioned in the Godfather movie as one of the families. <laughs> so You're don't famous. don't don't screw with me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, let me let me ask you the first question I ask all my guests: What is your visual acuity? Uh, I've got 3% left in my right eye. My left eye is basically hand gestures I can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, my, my right eye is what my dependent eye is. And, um, it's not good. It's getting mm-hmm. worse. I have retinitis pigmentosa, which is like looking through a straw. Right. And, um, it's been probably about two or three years since I've been to the eye doctor. So when you get to a certain point, you go, why should I go to the eye doctor? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it would be kind of weird going to the eye doctor and you got a guide dog with you. Now, were you born with the RP? 
Yeah, it's a it's an X gene. My mother's a carrier, but it affects all the males in the family. Well, you know, I, I, I still I still can't get over that that you know blindness can be hereditary. Well, it's uh, my mother. Her side comes from Native Indians in the United uh-huh. States, and there's a lot of genes like that in Indians. Right. And so it's just something that's just comes through the line. Uh, me and my brother have it, but the buck seems to have stopped in my family after that because my kids and my grandkids and all my nieces and nephews don't have it. So hopefully we are the last of it, but it'll probably rear its ugly head again someday. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, what was it like? Were you mainstreamed or, or did you actually go to a blind school? Um well, I was diagnosed with it when I was 12 and I had a, like, the ophthalmologist said, well, you got a 50% chance of going blind. And at that time I had 20, 30 vision. Right. But I couldn't see in the dark. That's the first signal of it. You, yeah. And so what happened is I played sports through high school and sometimes I couldn't play sports like basketball. I lived in Indiana at the time. And uh, there were some games that I missed because if you were going to gymnasium, they weren't well lit. Sure, so, yeah. So I had to miss a couple of games. So, you know, I got made fun of as a kid uh, going through those those tough times, you know, growing up and going through the uh, just the life cycle of life, uh, maturing right. and stuff like that, going through all that. And then on top of it, you'd be making fun of because you can't see real good. Mm-hmm. But I was able to eventually be able to get driver's license because at the time where I got my driver's license, I had twenty forty vision. Right. And uh, so there's... So were you able to experience that? Uh, I drove a car. Uh-huh. Uh, I've flown a plane in my life. I've, I've, no kidding. Uh, I um, climbed waterfalls. On purpose? And, uh, I've, and uh, I've done uh, white water rafting across the country. Oh, yeah. Um, I've done a lot of things in my life, which I'm grateful that I've done because at the point uh, I wanted to live life like I could because be, I knew there would be a point in my life where I couldn't do the things that I used to do. Right. I work right. for an optical lab. I made glasses for a living for about 20 years. So you were pretty much self-diagnosing, weren't you? Well, yeah. Uh, I was pretty uh, upfront with people about it, and uh, I was aggressive with it. I had to have cataract surgery at age 25, which is ridiculous. But with somebody with retinitis pigmentosis, you have cataract problems. And so right. just the slightest cataract affected my vision. So we went in there at age 25 and took those out, which it helped me at that time because I knew if I didn't get that surgery, I was going to be cut cut short much sooner. Right. And so it helped for about two or three years, but then the retinitis pigmentosa kicked back in. And then it just by age 34, 35, I had to hand the keys over and said, I can't drive anymore. Well, I want to get back to that, but I want to take a step back. You said, did you start working right out of high High school? school, Yeah, I went to, uh, yeah, right off the bat, I went straight into working because I had to. Uh, I I wasn't really concerned with the retinitis pigmentosis Mm -hmm. um, because I was still driving and stuff like that. Sure. And so it did me no good to go anywhere to get prepared for the blindness. Um, uh, so I, then, that, then I got married think, and then all that, then, you know, the process started. Do you think that helped you or hindered you in later life? I want to say a little bit of both. Um, because I had a working career, I was mm-hmm. able to earn what they call disability through the government. Right. Which is like an insurance company, like an insurance policy. So I made enough money where I'm able to survive now. So you got SSDI. I'm on SSDI. So, right. you know, my check's larger than if I had just SSDI. never worked. Yes. Yeah. 
And, um, so I, you had to, you got to work enough quarters in this country to get SSDI. Right. And so, but then if, if I had gone somewhere, I didn't have enough loss of eyesight yet. Yeah. Um, it didn't really kick in till about 30. And then if I had gone somewhere, I would have already forgotten all this stuff. So mm-hmm. it, I was between a rock and a rock, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no kidding. And so I've, I've always felt guilty that I've, I associate with people who has never had eyesight. Yeah. And I've done all the things that I've done and they never get a chance to. Sure. But they tell me, no man, you're worse because you're losing it and you're going to experience the loss. I can't miss something that I've never had. And, right. Uh, it's like a death. I'm, and it's a, a slow death. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard process to go through. Right. Right. I mean, I've gone through some, you know, dark times in my life since I've retired. Uh, I mean, places where I don't want to ever visit again. And if it, yeah. weren't, if it wasn't for Leader Dog, that's where I got my O&M instruction. And then I went back and got a dog. If it weren't for yeah. them, I God knows where I'd be right now. Wow. And, and I mean, speaking for myself, I mean, I'm, I miss driving, uh, so much, but not just driving in itself, but independence as a whole. Yeah. The independence is when you've got to ask somebody who takes time off from work so right. you can go to the doctor. Uh huh. That's to me, that's, that, that was driving me insane a little bit. Because yeah, I felt right. like a child. I mean, that's what I had to do with my parents. Mom, dad, I got, can you take me? You know, I, I'm, at, you know, forties. You should be able to go out and do whatever you need to do. On and that's own, where yeah. Leader Dog came in. Mm-hmm. And they t- taught me the O&M training for the cane, but I wanted more than that. That's why I went back and got a guide dog. So when right. you lose, lose your independence, you lose a big chunk of your life. Yeah. And you, you grieve for that mostly, didn't you? Grieve, grieve for that and also grieve the, uh, the things that I used to be able to do. I used to be able to mow my yard. I used to be able to work on my house. I used to be able to do a lot of things and I no longer can do because of the retinitis pigmentosa. I was the breadwinner. I, I made most of the money. Then all of a sudden I've been delegated down to cleaning the kitchen. Yeah. Cooking supper yeah. and washing clothes. It was, it was a horrible, transformation of my life that I couldn't right. handle anymore because I felt like I was worthless. Did you think you were above all that stuff? No, I don't think I'm above anything like that. I just... No, no, I'm saying at the time, though. Um, no. Um, I just didn't feel like I was... that I was doing anything in my life that was important that I can't, it's like if I, like right now, if I need extra cash, I can't go get a part-time job. I can't do that. It just feels like you're, you're trapped. I felt like I was trapped and delegated this. And this is as good as you're going to get. And matter of fact, you're going to even lose a little bit more of abilities in life. Sure. And my life has been nothing but loss. And so I kept losing the ability to drive, watch TV, read a newspaper, read a book, and this is before I knew anything about blindness and blind people. And so how you they kind of got used to it. Got used to it, but you, what do you, you can't get used to something that you keep losing every day because every day yeah. is a different experience. Right, right. And after a year, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Right. So it, was that the only job that you had with the optical place? Uh, basically, yes, I did have, I worked at a hardware store for a while, uh, maybe a year or two when I got out of high school, but then I finally got mature enough to go find a real job that gave benefits and stuff like that. So when right. I got 20 is when I went to the optical business and I got into that trade. Now, did you have to do any specialized training? Uh, no, I learned, learned it, uh, it took me about two years to learn uh, the, the real basics of it. Right. And after that, it was just easy peasy. I could go back there right now and do the job that I did back then. Could you? 
yeah, I could do that. But if with the knowledge I have, but the, but then um uh, the accessibility the accessibility part, if that's what was getting rough, I couldn't read the the paperwork anymore. And they right. they adjusted with me. Uh-huh. But then it got to the point with their adjustments, they couldn't just do any. They couldn't do any more for me. Right. Sure. And it was just it was time for me to you know it was it was time to retire. Yeah. You, I, how did you, you mentioned that you got married, but before you got married, did you have any relationships that got affected by your blindness? Well, <laughs> it's hard to date women when you can't drive at night. Right. And it's kind of, I was embarrassed of my, my eyesight. Um, I hid it from women, the ladies. Uh-huh. And I said, well, you know, I just can't come tonight or I, uh, I'll come over, but once it starts getting to about 10, you know, about 7.30, I got to leave, you know, 30, 40 minutes before the dark sun disappeared. Right. And I, I was, I always hid it from people as much as I could. I was embarrassed by it. I was truly, cause I felt like in, I was inadequate. Sure. Yeah. And that, that lasted you a while. At what point did you figure out that <clears throat> it didn't matter? <sighs> Man, it took it took me to my thirties. It, it truly did. I I I struggled with with my blindness, and I didn't really accept it until I decided to go to Leader Dog. So I was in my forties before I truly said to myself, you know, this is what it is. If I don't take care of this now, it's going to get worse with me mentally and and. Um, it's time to accept your blindness and just get on with your life. So that begs the question, what made you accept it so readily? Well, I, I tried to call Voc Rehab here in my state because I needed training. Uh-huh. And because uh, I wanted to do something with my life. Sure. And they told me, we can't do anything for you. You're too old. Because I was at that time almost fifty years old, like forty-seven, and uh-huh. I said, "We can't. We will not invest any time in you. Uh, you just have to go find some blind people. And maybe they can give you some pointers." And I got depressed after that again. They actually said that. To yes, you? They, that's what they told me. I'm hands to God. They told me go find some blind people. I've ne- to this point, I've never met a I've never met a blind person in my life. Okay, right, and um, so. It was depressing for one, A, they're saying I'm too old and I paid all these taxes in my lifetime because I worked. Uh-huh. And now you're telling me you can't even come to my house and show me how to use a cane. Right, right, right. They, they, they wouldn't even do that. And so. Uh, wow, the balls on them. Yeah, it was pretty rough. And. Uh, Can I ask what state you live in? I live in Georgia. Georgia, okay. And it's, is that a common. It's common now. It's common now here. Uh, they're trying to change it a little bit, but it's so far away from being changed now. There's been a been a big change in the folk rehab. It's being run by blind people now. Right. So who better to understand what we need in life but the people who live it? Right, right, right. And so, but voc, I mean, just so we're clear, folk rehab takes care of other disabilities, not just blindness, right? Um, I don't, I can't answer that question. I don't know. As far as I know, they just take care of the blindness. Right, right. Um, but that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Do they have any, any specialized, uh, programs for the blind besides voc rehab? Um, not really. Uh, no, they just give you a computer. They train you how to use a computer with JAWS. Mm-hmm. They try to find you a job, and right. they come in and teach you how to use your cane, and, and they'll try to teach you how to do the simple stuff around your home. Sure. But, you know, being an old fart as I am, they wouldn't touch it. You, you know, you keep saying old fart. How old are you? Well, I'm 50. Well, count me how many toes I got. I'm 54 now. 54. Okay. So you were born in the 60s. 67. So growing up in the 70s, I mean, 
you were subject to bell bottoms. <laughs> yeah, bell bottoms and, uh, and and disco. Disco too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Disco. But I mean, was it always in Georgia that you grew up? No, I grew grew up. I was born originally in Ohio, okay. and then I lived uh, most of my life. So I moved to Georgia when I was 18, but I moved in Indiana. And okay. uh, that's where I raised up from ba- basically my uh, childhood. Now, did you live in an urban environment or, or rural? Small town. Small town. Uh, oh, yeah. small town. I hate those. <laughs> and back then, if you had something like I had, the schools were not equipped to handle it. Sure. So it affected my school. It affects my affected my grades and stuff like that. So, so how did you manage in school? Man, I can't. I, I couldn't tell you. Can't um, remember. It's just I managed it, and I didn't make the best grades. Yeah, I just made enough to be able to play sports, but there was part of me that was just angry at life because of my disability. Look, I have to tell you, you, I mean, in our discussions on Becca's world, we, you seem really intelligent to me. Um, believe it or not, when I was a, I used to watch the news at age 12 and 13 and 14. Uh-huh. I didn't watch cartoons and stuff. And were you not normal? I was normal, but I, people I ad- adapted with was older than me. I never hung around kids my age. I was, if they were three or four or five years older than me, I hung around those people. Well, that is, wow, that's, that's interesting. I, now did you feel more comfortable around yes. people older than you? Yes, I did. And, uh, so that's basically how I live my life. I, I've always been more in tune with people older than me than younger than me or at the same age. Now, is that, in terms of conversation or just in terms of overall feeling? Conversations, because I feel like I can adapt with them more for some reason. Sure. And uh, I would rather go talk to an 80-year-old person right now than a 55-year-old. I think right. I get more out of my – because I, I love to hear people's stories. Yeah. Uh, I, I could sit with down with somebody and listen about the old days because I love stuff like that. I love history. And, uh, yes, I'm, I love, uh, civil war history, wars, um, anything on history. I'm in it. I watched a lot of documentaries on TV with that, about that. Would you say that's why you moved to Georgia? Because of, no, I moved here because my dad, my dad got a woman pregnant. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's interesting. Okay. That's another story. It's another bit of my history. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, at what point did you meet your wife? Um, well, I've been married twice. I met my first wife, um, when I was 22, 23. Mm -hmm. And back then I was ready for a family. And, um, so we got married and, um, it didn't last long because she still had a wild side on her that she didn't get rid of so we ended up getting divorced i had two kids with her right and the second one i met at work and so we've been together for about 20 over 20 years are you still communicating with your kids oh yeah my kids talk to me all the time yeah yeah and and i mean was there a huge battle for the kids at all uh no because in the state of georgia unless she's a um, a, a child abuser. You're not going to win. So there was Is that music. right. Yeah. So uh, she ran around on me several times during the marriage, but I had no shot getting the kids. So uh, that must have been hard for you. It was. It was. That was another part of my life. I was scared to death. I was never going to find anybody, and uh, the, the blindness has controlled my life. Most of it, you know. It's right. just you're always scared. And so you fight. just couldn't escape it then? You can't. The only way I'm going to escape this is one day when, you know, it's my time to go. Right. It's every, you live it every day. You wake right. up and you just get through the day. It's a day-by-day process. That sounds kind of bleak to me. 
It's not bleak. It's just fact. Facts is fact. I mean, it's facing you every day. It's when you get up and you go in the mirror and you can barely see yourself in the mirror. That's a fact. Um, That's right. Yeah. It's something. And people have to learn to accept it. You got to learn to accept it and just try to make yourself a better person and what you can and cannot do. And, you know, if there's something out there you cannot do and you tried so many times, you know, it's just, it's a fact and, you know, it's just, you got to move on. And, and that, did you become a better person? Did I become better? Yes. I, you know, got in my late forties, I, there was times I didn't want to get out of bed. Yeah. And, uh, I got angry. Um, but I woke up one day. I said, enough's enough of this. Um, I've had relationships with people that, um, they showed me that I can do better than what I was doing at the time. Right. And, um, so some of the blind people I met kind of pushed me in the right direction and it was just time for me to accept it. And once I accepted it, then I went and fixed it the best I could. Mm -hmm. And how did you fix it? Well, my first step was I went to an NFE chapter, my local NFE chapter, which is the county over. And they gave me a cane and I refused to use that cane. Right. I, I hate canes. I really hate them. Sure. And, uh, then, well, they taught me as much as they could, but then I found out about the NFB convention down there in Orlando at that time. Okay. And I decided, hey, I'm going to go to my first convention. And, uh, that convention changed my life because that's where I ran into Leader Dog. Is that right? Yeah. I knew somebody who had a guide dog from Leader Dog. Will you I, stop that? <laughs> and I, I, I met her down there and she had a dog and so she showed me where, you know, introduced me to the Leader Dog. Mm -hmm. And, um, from there on, my life's been changed. Sure. Drastically or just, well, I mean, you. just. Getting a, knowing that I can go out and get an Uber or Lyft ride right now and do whatever I need to do is life changing. Well, that's interesting. Did you ever experience the discrimination because of your guide dog on Uber and stuff? I've had a couple, four or five rides once I, cause when I ever, whenever I schedule a ride, I always contact the driver and say, look, I'm letting you know up front that I have a service animal because I think it's kind of my responsibility. Sure. And, uh, cause if I'm going to the doctor, mm -hmm. I don't want them to show up and all of a sudden they take off cause I gotta be at the doctor. Right. So if they're going to drop me, they're going to drop me before they even get to the house. Right. And so, uh, some people tell me not to do it, but that's what I do. And I've had some drivers just deny my drive and then Lyft end up finding me another driver. So, and then I report the driver to Lyft after this has happened. So. And have you ever gotten any results? I've gotten one driver fired from Lyft. They were taken off the platform. I've been told that because they ended up being their second strike. They're only allowed two strikes. The second one, you're out. Right. So um, Lyft's been pretty good about it. I, I don't use Uber because Uber costs too much. Sure. What about going into places like restaurants, malls? I'll like be honest with you. The only places I have problems with are if I go like into a Chinese restaurant. Right. Uh, I think it's because it's because of the uh, culture. They mm -hmm. don't really know the rules of the United States. Right. And so I've had some, I have had some incidents at a Chinese restaurant, but pretty much everywhere else, I don't have any problems. Can you tell me about those incidents? Like well, at least uh, a couple of them? Well, I've got my favorite hibachi place here where I live. Uh -huh. And I told them I was going to get a dog. You know, I was getting ready to leave. And they, oh, don't bring that dog in here. Don't bring that dog in here. You can't bring a dog in here. Uh -huh. And I said, screw you. I'm going to come back. You no, know, four or five weeks. I'm going to get a dog. And so I would come back and I had my dog and I walked in there with the dog and they, they gave me hell on it. 
And then so I whipped out the law and showed it to him. I said, if you're going to run a business in the United States, mm-hmm. you've got to allow me and my dog in here. And I said, I said, if my dog stinks or if my dog is unruly or does something in it, then you can deny me service. Mm-hmm. But by law, you cannot deny me. That's she's like a wheelchair. I mean, if somebody came in with a wheelchair, would you serve them? Yes. Well, she's a, she's a medical instrument that I use. Right. And so we went through that and they now I go in there. They kind of treat me a little bit different, though. They put me in the corner of the restaurant right. way back away from everybody. Sure. And they asked me not to take uh, my dog up to the buffet. If it's a buffet day, they ask somebody else to go get my plate of food. food. So they do treat me that differently, but I don't make a big deal out of it. So, cause it's really good food. So, um, other than that, I don't take her in new Chinese restaurants. Right. I definitely won't take her into, there's some, uh, there's a Korean place down the street, but it's run by a Muslim and I know how Muslims feel about dogs. Mm-hmm. So I don't go in restaurants that's going to make, I know for a fact I'm going to have problems. Sure. I don't go out of my way. And what if I told you it's not right for Muslims to deny you service? Because I understand dogs? that, but I know their culture dogs are disgusting and they look down on people with dogs. So I know for a fact not to do that. I'm not going to push, I'm not going to poke the bear, you know. Uh, Actually, it's it, that's not true at all. People are misquoting the Quran all the time. And, use the, well, and, and I think it's awful. Yeah, well, I, my my cardiologist is Muslim, uh-huh. and he has no problems with her. He loves her to death. Yeah, but we've talked about it the last time I saw him, and he goes, "Well, I don't do. I'm not a uh, you know. I'm Muslim, but I don't really follow the Quran or anything like that." And he said, "Your dog is always welcome to my." I had a doctor, I kid you not, that before I went and got Glacier, I told him I was getting a guide dog. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, he helped me fill out the paperwork. <clears throat> he told me never bring her in his, into his practice. Um, so I ended up switching doctors because of that. Yeah. You would figure a doctor or a physician would be compassionate enough that, you know, but no, he, he didn't want, and he was Muslim. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was always worried that the dog was going to bite him or snip at him or, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, you're yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. No, I got the same thing. I mean, I had a doctor who, who, uh, did that to me too. And I mean, the very next day I reported his ass to, uh, to the provincial government and he got in trouble for it. Yeah. I called the, uh, the people who run his, his, uh, his, his office and they were surprised that he did that and so I, right. they said do you want us to switch you to another doctor I said no I'm not coming back yeah yeah. so I got me a great doctor now so I'm happy with the doctor I got so I mean what advice would you give new guide dog handlers who suddenly face that sort of discrimination well keep your cool that's the first thing you need to do don't go irate or anything like that I was right. I always carry the copy of the law in my wallet. Um, I actually also have the 1-800 number to the Department of Justice that does um, investigations for discrimination because you have a guide dog. There's a 1-800 number. And, uh, you know, you got, you just got to know your law. You got to stand up, but be courteous and courtesy to them. Mm -hmm. Be kind and gentle because, you know, ignorance is, can't help ignorant people sometimes. But, uh, so you think education is the way? Education is the thing. Yeah, I teach them and you know, you may help them in what, in a way. Uh, and, and 99% of the time, you're going to be able to get through the, into the restaurant or into the Uber or Lyft ride or whatever. There's going to be a 1% that won't, that will just totally deny you service. And that's when you take action. Right. Right. But don't, don't be irate because you know what? You're representing the blind community out there. How were your wives with the dogs? Um, my first, Glacier's uh, is my first dog. So the first wife, um, never got around her. Uh, the one I have now, you know, it's okay with her. So, um, she just complains about the hair. <laughs> There's nothing. <laughs> what kind do. of dog do you have? She's a black lab. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've got a yellow. 
um, I was surprised when they told me her name, Glacier, and I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to be a white dog. And she came in and says, all I saw was a black streak running across the room. I go, okay. <laughs> you think, you think that's bad? They named my dog Nago. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> and, 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 and it's the weirdest thing. I mean, they, uh, she was sponsored by the Mount Hope Lions Club. And the president and his wife couldn't think of a name. So they took the first two letters of their hobbies, which was knitting and golf, and they got it together and, and came up with Nago. Oh. And, and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, it's, it's some sort of indigenous name or, or something like that. And it means something spectacular or something humble. <laughs> no, it just means something stupid. Well, Glacier was named because they went through the alphabet and they were on a G and she was raised in Wisconsin. Well, all Wisconsin up there is all the lakes up there are made by glaciers. Is it really? And so that's how she got her name. Oh, wow. And she was the last guide dog that they uh, raised. They went on the, they're working for, I think, Paws for Life in Minneapolis and they don't. Um, because the leader dog is so far away from it, it took like 12, 15 hours to drive there every time. So they yeah. ended up going to the organization that's closer to them. Yeah. So it was more a, a thing for the dogs. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, have you stayed active in the community? With a leader dog? With any community. Uh, I'm active in the blind community. Um, I, I've got a Facebook group called the Playroom, mm-hmm. and I do have you know some blind uh, friends that I still stay in contact. I go to the NFB meetings as much as I can. Sure. And uh, the conventions, I try to go down there every year. Right. It's one big party <laughs> for the week. But uh, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of stuff going on, but then there's also partying going on. And it's fun to go back, go somewhere. I really love going to conventions because I get to hang around people who's just like me for an entire week. Any incidents? In what way? Uh, no comment. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, no come comment. on. Still. No, no comment. <laughs> but, That's uh, too bad. That's too bad. It's, uh, I just love going down there. And matter of fact, I am the board member of my local chapter now here in the NFB. So right. I've got, I'm involved in that. And uh-huh. of course, starting with Leader Dog, uh, starting November 1st, I'm going to be involved in a podcast with them. Uh-huh. I think we're going to do a podcast every month. Right. And uh, I'll be part of the, part of the co-host for that. Uh-huh. And then they've got a production crew coming here in November, and they're going to film me in Glacier and three, two other clients here in the Atlanta area. Uh-huh. And then in March, I'm flying to Detroit. I got to do a speech for a fundraiser up there for Leader Dog in front of a thousand people. It's called Dinner in the Dark. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Wow, that's going to be interesting. I can't wait. I what love to travel. Of, what sorts of things do you see yourself talking about? Well, they want, they want me to tell them my story and how much leader dog has uh, impacted my life. And my story's the story of about another thousand blind people. Uh, my story is very similar to a lot of other people. So, uh, I'm just, it's the biggest fundraiser of the year. No pressure on me. Uh, every time I tell everybody my story, they start crying. And that's what I'm supposed to make, do is make everybody cry. Well, God damn it. Now I got to hear this story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, you know, you heard a little bit of it, right? You know, there, and, you know, you know, I think the biggest thing for blind people is the, the dark areas in your life that you can get yourself in a rut and you just go to dark places. I mean, sure. depression is very bad for people who's blind. Yeah. 45% of blind people are depressed. And just different degrees. Some people are a little depressed, but then some people like me who got deep depression. Hey, you're preaching to the choir here. And I mean, there was nights that I could, I could, I, I had to get on medication just to go to sleep at night. Yeah. Because you, your mind's constantly worried about bills and you can't go do this. You need to get earning some extra money, but you can't do it because you're blind and all this. And, sure. just, and it just gets you further and you 
to the point where you're screaming at yourself in front of the mirror. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, you just feel like you have no control over it. Yeah. And if it, had, like I said, if it ended up for leader dog, I like, don't know where I would be right now. So the guide dog or leader dog in general helped you through that? The training. The training gave me the ability to go out and do on my own. It's, you know, I'm going to go on a big trip in March by myself. Three, four years ago, I couldn't do that. I traveled for the first time by myself, you know, in 20 years. That's, that's, that's fast. That's fast. And I can do that now with Glacier. I can just say, Hey, we're going to the convention next year. Right. You know, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And you go do it. I don't have to have anybody there anymore. And is your dog good about uh, obeying you? Yeah. Yeah. If she wants that Charlie bear, she better do it. The Charlie bear? Yeah, it's her little treat. It's a little three-calorie treat she gets. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Got to watch her calories. Got to watch her hips. <laughs> right, right, right. No kidding. And, and I mean, has she ever... Done some weird stuff with you? Like in what way? Traveling? Uh, no. She's, uh, pretty much does her job like she's supposed to. Knock on wood, we haven't had any accidents in the airport, but I'm pretty stingent, stingent, stingent about that. Uh, I got a schedule, say my flight leaves at 10 a.m. What I do is I'll go like, uh, 17 hours before our flight. Sure. And that's when all food is cut off. Uh-huh. And before we get up in the morning, she'll go out and take her crap. And then I'll take her for a walk and she'll take another crap. Uh-huh. And, uh, she'll get a little, you know, a little handfuls of stuff while we're traveling and right. a little water. But I'm pretty, I don't even eat or drink while I'm traveling. So I don't have to take a crap because it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. tough being a blind person. You're going by yourself. It's good bathroom, you know. It's not a good yeah. thing. How did she react on the plane? She does good. Uh, now I will say, the last time we flew, we had like two connecting flights, mm-hmm. and she got a little tired of those landings, so she was ready. Yeah, yeah. That last one, she was ready to get off the plane. She was done. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't when I traveled. It wasn't so bad on the uh, seven forty seven, but when we got on the DC ten, yeah. I mean, she just hated it. It made more noise and rumbled so much more. Yeah. Um, I fly Southwest a lot. Uh-huh. So what's great about Southwest is uh, people like who are disabled get on the flights for, for first and right. are not assigned a seat. Uh-huh. So we get right up to the bulkhead. So we got a little extra room. Right. And so that gives her a little stretching out. But last time we flew, she kind of slid into the wall when they slammed on the brakes. And, oh, wow. But she'll, you know, she she likes to travel. She's okay with it. And you haven't had any lasting repercussions? No. The only time I ever saw anybody, it was not me. I was going to lead her dog to get a guide dog. Mm-hmm. And this guy had a service animal on there, and this lady threw a fit. And no uh, kidding, she sat beside me, and she was throwing. I can't believe it. They like dogs on a plane. I looked at her and said, "Lady, I'm going to off to get me one right now. I'm on my way to go get one of those." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're a complete idiot. It's basically what I told her. Yeah. And the guy was very, you know. uh he apologized for it, but he said, this is my service animal because he, he was epileptic. Uh-huh. And he's also a, a, you know, a U.S. soldier, retired. Sure. And, uh, we, we, because he sat beside me, I couldn't believe it. You know, this is great. I got a service animal right here beside me. Right. And she come on the plane and, and, uh, so he ended up moving. He ended up moving. Um, which was ridiculous because by law, if uh United States, if somebody has a problem with your dog, then the airlines are supposed to move that person, not the service animal. Not the other way around. No. And if anybody deserves a service animal, it's, it's the serviceman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's not a good thing. 
you're getting ready to go somewhere to go get one of them. And right off the bat, you start seeing somebody bitching and moaning and groaning about a dog being on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that must have scared you to death. <laughs> it wasn't good. Yeah. I'm going, holy yeah. crap. Am I, is this going to happen to me? And, and ha- on the flights, it hasn't happened. Uh, the ones we've been on pretty right. much everybody likes, loves Glacier when they see her. And, uh, but there's going to, you're always going to run to an a-hole eventually. Yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, before we, uh, um, before we cut off, yes, uh, was it yesterday? God, yeah, it was yesterday. I can't, I can't even remember. <laughs> uh, before we cut off yesterday, you were talking about cruises. Yes. And you're going on a few, aren't you? Uh, I'm going on a cruise in three weeks, then I'm going on a cruise in February, and then I'm going on an Alaska cruise in August. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, and- Glacier, Glacier's not going on the first two, so I'm going to have to get the cane out. But right. she is going to Alaska. Is she really? Yes, she's going to yeah. Alaska cruise. Sure, freezer. <laughs> no, well, she'll, buy, she'll love it. <laughs> it's not that cold in Alaska in August. It's probably in the 60s. Is it? Yeah, okay. in the 60s and 40s. So, right, right. Um, she'll she'll love that. She'll it's 95 or 100 here. She'll love it. So, is it really that that yeah, hot down there? Down here in August, it's 100 easy. Can I ask what city this is? Uh, it's outside of Atlanta. Oh, County. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, is that close to the coast or no? Um, I could be in Savannah in three and a half hours, three hours. Okay. Okay. Speaking of which, do you take a lot of trips to the coast? She went to Savannah with me last year. I went on a trip with my kids mm-hmm. and we were down there on Tybee Island and she okay. loved the ocean. So she got in the ocean until an ignorant uh, patrol person came by and kicked us off the beach. Because wow. It, it says there's no dogs allowed on here after uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. And I said, look, you know, she's a service animal. Because well, she doesn't have the harness on. And I said, well, the harness is like 200 bucks. I don't feel like putting a harness on her in salt water. He said, either put the harness on her or you got to leave. So we left. So, plus on top of everything, they don't understand. It's not the harness that makes her a service animal. No, it's her training that makes her. Right. Her exactly. training does. And yeah. so, he, I ended up calling down there and complaining about it. And uh, they you apologized. But, you know, me and my kids had to leave early. And my grandkids, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have grandkids? I've got one, two. I've got three now, yeah. Three. How old are they? Uh, well, I got one that's just now a month old. I've got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. Wow, you must be really proud. Are they boys or girls? Uh, two girls, one boy. Okay, maybe not that proud. (laughs) (laughs) Are they, are they, are they from the same boy or are they from? Uh, my daughter's got two and my son just had his first baby girl. Oh, so you have a son and daughter. Yeah, I've got a son and daughter. Yeah, so yeah. I did my I did my uh, job by producing a boy, so the name carries on. <laughs> so it's up to him now for him to keep on carrying, because all my other brothers have have all have all have all had girls. Yeah, no yeah, boys. Yeah. Yeah. I had the boy, so I'm good. Sure, sure, sure. Granddad can't say anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, Tim, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Um, and I really hope you can come back and, and, and maybe after your cruises and let us know how it went. I'll, I'll gladly do that. It's been a couple of years since I've been on one. So I've been on 29 of them. 29? 29. Wow. I mean, oh, uh, you like the ocean or just the boats? The, the the fact that I can get on a cruise ship, I don't have to worry about cooking or cleaning or anything. All I got to do is wipe my ass. That's it. That's it. That's it. And That's they it. do everything. Well, and presumably sit on the toilet. Yeah. Well, yeah. Unless you got explosive <laughs> diarrhea, then sometimes you don't make it. 
But uh you ever get around to that because of the of something you ate? Uh yeah, sometimes that happens. You know, something somebody could undercook something or you never know. Something could affect yeah, your yeah. stomach. But uh um I like I like cruising because I can get away from it for about three to seven days. I right. can forget my troubles. I forget about bills and all that crap and it's cheap i'm going on a cruise in february it cost 117 dollars so shut up yeah it's 117 dollars leaving from where uh out of miami it's on the uh royal caribbean freedom of the seas it goes to nassau then it has a day in uh on this private island so it's only a three-day cruise but 117 bucks i'm jumping on that like white on rice yeah no kidding yeah so I mean, do you get a special deal of some kind? No, I just I I always search for it, and uh, I was just digging about two two weeks ago, just right. for curiosity's sake, because I heard there's a lot of cruises going on sale right now, right? Because of COVID, and I found one for 117 bucks. I signed up on it. Jesus, 117! You can't argue with a price like that. No, and it's no. all inclusive, but. Only thing you gotta pay for is you, if you want alcoholic drinks, but all your foods, if you go to the main dining room and there's a lot of other free food, now you can go to especially dining, it's gonna cost you a little bit more if you want it, but you don't have to. Right, right, right. I mean, you can eat 24-7 if you want to eat 24-7. They got room service, they got all, all of it. Now what about other luxuries? Like, uh, entertainment, it's free. They got a casino on there, they got pools and all that stuff, it's all included. It's all included. All included. Wow. The only thing you got to pay for is your drinks and if you want to buy merchandise or get a massage or stuff like that. Yeah, that's you got to pay for. But you can you can literally go on a cruise and not spend a red penny if you want to. Okay, dude. Is there a rub and tug? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't come with it. That don't come with it. Okay, you have to well, you know. Wishes can be dreamers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all right. Yeah. Listen, buddy, thank you so much for being on the show. And I look forward to having you back to talk about your cruise. Anytime. Yeah. All right, buddy. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for watching Meet Me here on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway. Remember, Meet Me is broadcast every Monday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. And this is a show where you get to meet some interesting people and maybe befriend them along the way. Bye-bye, everybody. Brady Rodriguez. I'm an IT professional. I'm doing my artwork on the side. I'm visually impaired. I'm actually legally blind and I've been that way all my life. With WeWalk, you can make it easier to get around and feel more confident. The ease of use and practicality of it. You have navigation, you have functionality connected to your phone. You can track your places. It's really cool. It opened the world for things that we could never do before. Give the gift of independence. Gift a WeWalk smart cane today.